This is the Dancepreneuring Studio podcast, session number 106. Lessons from the last one. Hi there, and welcome to session number 106 of the Dancepreneuring Studio. I'm Annette Bone, and the Dancepreneuring Studio is the place where dance inspires life and business. I get the joy and the privilege of sharing my journey back into the dance world, the transformation I've experienced, the lessons I've learned, and the wonderful creatives I've met along the way who also share their stories, ideas, strategies, and tactics to help move your life and your business forward. I'm reviewing the second of four performances I've I've gotten to see at the Odyssey Theater in Los Angeles recently, and I'm thrilled to be bringing you this interview with... Anthony Nikolchev and Hema Galiana of the dance production, The Last One, which I absolutely loved. It got me thinking about so many things and got me feeling things and questioning things. And I love that about art. I love that about dance. We talk about things such as the difference between physical theater and improvisation and differences within the commercial and concert dance world. And the lessons that I've learned from watching this production are as follows. Number one, I was reminded that silence and stillness are not a bad thing and to pay attention and enjoy silence and stillness. Number two, expect some sort of unpredictability, whether it's in a dance performance or in life. Everything, right? There's always some sort of unpredictability, so welcome it. And number three, you can always rebuild if you've been broken down. I've certainly experienced this. This was very evident in this production of the last one. And I'm so happy to share this conversation. It was so enjoyable. Hi, this is Anthony Nikolchev. And this is Gemma Galena. And we are performers, performer artists, choreographers. We work in theater. We do movement, we direct, we create. And you are listening to another session of the Dancepreneuring Studio with Annette Annette Bone. Now that you're warmed up, get ready to go full out with our feature presentation. Perplexed, provoked, invested. These are three words I would use to describe my experience watching a powerful performance of the last one at the Odyssey Theater in Los Angeles recently. The interesting thing is even before I saw this moving performance, I thought I would love to interview these two guests based on their backgrounds and their descriptions on their experiences and their art. And here they are on the show today. I'm so excited. They both have extensive experience in dance, acting, and other forms of art, and they've performed and choreographed in the U.S. and abroad in various European countries. They also are both movement consultants for film and theater. I want to give a big welcome. I'm so excited again. I cannot wait to talk to these two, Hema Galiana and Anthony Nikolchev. And are you two ready to go? <laughs> I'm, I'm just so excited because, you know, coming off of the, you know, watching you two perform with your other uh, dancer and 
I absolutely loved it from the props to the music, the physicality, the trust that was required within the choreography. Um, I brought a friend of mine. She's a commercial dancer in the, um, in the, she does mostly hip hop, but she's a commercial dancer. She's danced with various entertainment artists and uh, musical artists. And I was a little hesitant because I thought, you know, I told her, I'm like, this is not hip hop. Okay. <laughs> she's, <laughs> and she's like, you think I only do hip hop? You know, I, I want to see other things too. And she loved it too. And you know what I loved is the discussion between the two of us oh, after okay. your performance, what you guys spawned, you know, based on what you did. And a lot of times I talk about how with art and specifically dance, because that is one of my passions, is that it's great to see someone's extension like way up by their ear or someone that does 10,000 pirouettes perfectly. But there's another thing when you feel something. And watching you guys, we felt something for sure. I mean, we felt all these things we were talking about. And um, I felt that your production came from a very, very honest place. And I think that's why it moved the crowd so much. How do you guys prepare for the intensity that the, that this type of production requires? Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, thank you, Annette, for all those wonderful words. Um, you know, that's that's really our goal, to just get people to think and be inspired. But how we prepare for that intensity, uh, you know, it's sort of like – I think at some point uh, earlier on in our career, you know, several years ago when we first met, we were both at a place where uh, we just wanted to sort of jump off the cliff and see if you fall or fly, kind of. Like put yourself in a situation where it's so extreme that you have to um, figure out how to get through it and get out of it. And if you don't figure that out, you're going to fail. Um, so the stakes were very high. When we um, we first started working in this physical world, um, where we went to a physical theater company in Poland, and um, we just were training for about about eight hours a day, uh, five to six days a week for a year and a half. Sometimes we would take a break of a month or two months, but we were really intensely engaged in like a physical laboratory, uh, which was some of the most intense physical work that we've done for an extended period of time. And that sort of broke our bodies and then reformed our bodies and gave us a new sense of what, you know, commitment and um, the intensity that it requires to be specific when you're investigating physical material. And that's sort of what we carry now through to the rest of our work. Uh, we try to keep that same standard. So, you know, this process for the last one was about probably four weeks in total but um, there were long days in there, and and um, we commit very intensely to the discovery of of the material that we're working on. We don't just gloss over it, and we want to always find how there can be meaning in in physicality without being obvious, underlying, or um, sort of descriptive meaning. It's just what is the the emotional connection or the the deeper significance of the tasks that we're doing. So. We're sort of used to just continuing until we find it. And there's a lot of sweat and sometimes there's blood and uh, we try not to, we try not to go 
we try not to leave bring the blood onto the stage, but in the rehearsal process, you know, every once in a while those rocks are sharp. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's what I thought. I'm like, oh boy, I wonder if there's going to be blood or not. But you guys maneuvered everything so beautifully. I know that there's obviously choreography to it, but it wasn't choreographed, if that makes sense. Like I didn't feel like it was compartmentalized. I thought the transitions were beautifully done. I love the music choices too. And it kept me on the edge of my seat. Like, and even though it wasn't like, oh, you know, like how certain, I would say for better, for lack of a better um, example at the moment about, you know, like with circus acts, like you're anticipating the fall and the rise and, you know, those kind of things. Yours, it was, there's this beautiful quality of like, for me, I felt like, oh my goodness, what's next? And what does that mean? And, and oh my goodness, what is she doing with that thing? And what does that mean for me? And a lot of it was like, okay, what does that mean for me right now? And I think that's, what are you experiencing in your life? And that's, that's kind of what is coming out. But it was just, I, I know, I cannot say enough good things about you two because it was just so good. You know, I keep, I'm just so excited. But, uh, Hema, what would you say about that process that, um, that Anthony was just talking about? Mm. Well, I always, I'm very interested in to find what is unpredictable in everything we do in theater. So we have to dig very deep when we are in the rehearsing room because we need to go through different layers until we really find something that is really truthful and meaningful for each of us. So and that is a little bit like um, a little bit my role from outside, how to be provoker, provoker in the right way, how to keep them stimulated and passionate and no be how not to be very or nothing at all uh, self-indulgent or super how to be very critical with what we do to dig deeper to find what is you know really truthful and meaningful for us i don't accept too much things that are um how to say um Predictable? No, it's not. It's not predictable. It's like um, pretentious. Pretentious. <laughs> well, pretentious in the meaning that, like, uh, it is. It is uh, on the surface thinking it's something, but really, it doesn't have. Like, we haven't dug enough. We have to keep. We think yeah, of an so idea, and then yeah. we have to repeat that idea a lot to find the fluidity and the yeah. the, the clarity of, of yeah. that idea. But I think it's you know it's very important to go. You know, through improvisation and to when you propose something to be very open to break it into pieces, to go deep into it and not to play, not, not, not to play, actually, not to play, um, how to say, in a showing way, you know, like we don't try to show anything. We try just to leave something that is happening right now on the stage or on or even on the creation process. I don't know if that makes sense. Oh, no, that does make sense. I, I thought you described that beautifully. And that leads right into my next question about, can you distinguish what the differences and or the similarities between physical theater and improvisation? Hmm. Well, let's see. We work a lot with improvisation. I think we create, we, we used to create a, a very comfortable a safe platform where you can give yourself in without any, you know, any judgment and you need to go very deep in impro, you know, feel absolutely free to make mistakes and to go and to go and to go. 
but then for me it's super super important to uh set things and repeat it you know and to take from the improvisation those things that we are absolutely alive and absolutely amazing for some reason that happened there because they were true it were happening and how to bring back this like to a kind of partitur where we can repeat and repeat and then that is our language and we can live inside it so we will say that improvisation is the basic but it's a first layer of the next. Oh, okay. And, and we are always sort of defining the parameters of improvisation. Um, so it, it's it's always helpful for us to to get a sense of who the other performers are that we're working with uh, in order to know some sort of language when we improvise or we set certain limits or certain ideas. So, you know, within an idea we can improvise and then we can set another parameter and improvise and, and slowly it starts to clean itself um, mm. into what becomes the set structure. And then sometimes that set structure or that, that final stage of improvisation becomes a little bit more uh, consciously choreographed than we say, well, we're going to lift mm. here and touch here and move that way. It sounds like a very organic process. Even though, like you said, you're, you're breaking it down. And that's what I loved about what you were talking about. And, and I, it was very evident in, uh, the, the whole production, which uh, again, I loved. I'm going to keep saying that I loved it. You know, <laughs> how would you, um, because of the, the work, the mental preparation, the physical preparation that goes into your work, how would you compare that? Let's say I'm interested in your opinion about, the concert dance performance world as opposed to the commercial where everything is like about speed and what's popular and that kind of thing. Do you guys have any thoughts about that? Ooh. Well, I think them what make very different is like uh, the source of the creation, the, the reason why do we do this. When I think about to do this show, I don't have any, any support but ourselves. And I don't have any reason to pleasant everyone or anyone. You to, know what I mean? Please to please Yes. You know? So I really do it because I want and I need and I desire to do it for ourselves. Thinking a lot about the audience because I really think about audience all the time. But not trying to make them feel good or give them something that make them, you know, I don't know. I don't, want to, I don't, I don't, I don't need to sell anything to them. So that source, I think, is what is absolutely different from, you know, when you do a commercial, that the goal is absolutely different. And I was very ready to accept a fail with the show, you know, and I told uh, my performers, I love this work. I'm very proud of you and what we did, and I am ready to defend it. If even no one like this and think this is absolutely crazy, you know. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I think that's the main the main difference when you do one thing or the other. You know, you do it for your own need or your own desire, and doesn't matter. Yeah, and I think it's <clears throat> similar to what you mentioned, Annette. Where when you go see a circus performance, you you see the prepared fall and um it is still virtuosic i mean they go to their limits in incredible ways and we have just the utmost respect for people who are able to use their bodies and their yes. craft that way in circus and also in commercial dance but there's a there's almost a control in it that um 
that we as performers, we want to discover the human element. And I think in the human element, we have to erase those edges of control a little bit. I mean, we are in control with each other. We know what we're doing, but we are living in those edges and those limits of listening and response rather than we're set. This is what's set. And when you put your two hands here and you do that triple axel, you know there's going to be those hands beneath you because that's the exact form. We have a little bit of a different form. Our form is, is it lives in listening and responding and deconstructing and challenging each other to find the human communication. I think those are elements of human interaction that we bring in, which maybe makes us fit a little bit more in that definition of physical theater rather than commercial or, or dance. But it's hard no, to define. <laughs> well, even though it's hard to define, I can say the word beautiful defines your work. So <laughs> there it is, you know. That, that was very important. We, it's very, very important. I think it's all what we need. We need beauty. With art, I alluded to this in the beginning, is that you make, like you said, it wasn't about impressing someone, but you impressed upon the audience to dig within themselves. Like, what am I feeling? What does this mean to me? What is being communicated to me? How am I interpreting this? And whether, you know, that wasn't your goal to say, well, you need to feel this and you need to feel this. That wasn't, it was you putting your interpretation and your experience out there. And it was up to us. And you did a beautiful job of that because we all, I, I could hear some of the conversation in the audience, like, oh, this and that. And, and then I was telling my friend, you know, I want to dance in dirt. I want dirt poured over me. <laughs> I thought that was beautiful at the end, Hema, when you had that and you were dancing within that. That's what I loved. It was like you were dancing in between those the, the grit that was coming down. And I thought, oh, I want to do that. So, <laughs> <laughs> so with um, well, you're talking about the, the human element, I have to um, make reference. Um, Hema, I noticed that you're also into photography and karate. So yes. how, how does that, you know, I looked at your, your, uh, your images too. And it, I feel like you're images, regardless if it was a headshot or of um, people waiting, I felt yeah. uh, it came also from a very honest place, okay. too. Thank you. I, 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 I'm, I think I'm like an observer. I love to see, to observe people. Yes, love that. I love to see what they are thinking about something, and I wonder what they are thinking about. I love to see when we are like playing roles to navigate the existence you know and I see I, I love to see that and I love to catch that in photography too you know I don't know I love that it felt very authentic very real very honest it didn't feel staged you know some photographs and there's a place for that I know like we are talking about the whole choreography there's a place for all that but I love that it felt very authentic and organic to me. And Anthony, <laughs> I don't know if this is supposed to be funny or not about the references that you made to working with chimpanzees, gorillas, and sea cucumbers. Uh, <laughs> it's sort of both. <laughs> but I, actually did, I, did, um, I did spend some time working uh, with a primatologist in the Lincoln Park Zoo in Chicago. Um, and my undergraduate experience uh, was at Wesleyan University so I studied theater in a liberal arts school, and I double majored in a program they had there called Science in Society, which basically um, is an integration between a natural science and a social science. 
So I focused on biology and philosophy, ethical philosophy, which led me inevitably to the study of apes because uh, when you see what humans are doing, it's more perplexing than, I mean, it's too perplexing sometimes. So you have to go back a step and look at one of our shared ancestors, you know, or, you know, they're the offshoot of a common ancestor that we had. And it's so illuminating to spend time with those creatures. So I did. I spent uh, several months just observing chimps and, and, and gorillas in the zoo, watching their behaviors and taking notes on it. And um, definitely some of the best observational research I've ever done. And um, when the news gets too rough or the things that humans do are a little bit too much to handle, I always go back to just watching a nature documentary. <laughs> oh, that, that that sounds so relaxing, actually. <laughs> so how yeah, about the sea yeah. cucumbers, though? The thing oh, with the sea cucumbers just terrify yeah. me. <laughs> but it's also sort of a, uh, you know, one of these creatures that doesn't do very much, just sits there. And um, I, I just I just know sea cucumbers from uh, you know s uh, snorkeling and being a kid and going to the uh, Monterey Bay Aquarium and touching them. Um, ah! But there's something very uh, unnerving about them. So I thought, you know, I'll put that in my bio <laughs> as a uh, as a little stand against the atrocities that humans do. It's like, if you get too bad and too difficult, humans, I'll. Um, I'll, I'll be happier working with sea cucumbers. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Are there any projects that you two have coming up that you'd like to talk about? Or do you have any you know, other good stuff coming up that you're working on? Um, yeah, well, we always have our hands in, in several different things. Um, so we have recently finished a, it's like a short film music video. It's um, set to the music of, uh, a musician based in Los Angeles who we've been, become friends with. His name is John Isaac Waters. And um, his music conjured up a lot of images of sort of solitude and the desert. So we shot a film that we're just in, we're, we've just finished. And so now we're looking for a release platform for it that is um, with him and myself sort of following the the disintegration and attempt to rekindle a relationship in the desert, something like what the wind and sand end up doing to the structures that are built in the desert. You know, you see them sort of take over and, but somehow become more natural and um, fluid in it. So it's, it's a movement based narrative short film. That's about 20 minutes. So that's something that we're looking forward to getting out there. Aside from that, we are, furthering our pursuit for the last one we're looking for the next place to do it because it was fantastic to have the invitation from the odyssey it kind of forced our hand to make the piece and it was great to be part of that festival but after just doing it for one day then we did it uh, the next day at another sort of three-week curated festival at the electric lodge we did that for one day so we've just done it twice now and so now the question is where do we bring it next? And we have toured pretty extensively in, in different countries in Europe. And um, we're looking at places that we've been before with our work. But we have yet to send the, the film out to anyone. So that's, that's sort of our, our next plan with the last one. 
and then aside from from those, I, I work at CalArts as a, um, a teacher. I, I'm on the faculty of the theater school. I teach movement. So I will be directing performance with students uh, that I'm looking forward to a lot um, in March and April. And, um, and I'm what thinking else? my next one. <laughs> Emma has her next one. <laughs> I'm thinking my next one. Um, the next show, yeah. But... Um, First, we want to keep alive the last one, um, a long life with the last one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's uh, that's really exciting. I'm looking forward to seeing the film, of course, and then the last one being, you know, in as many places as possible. And I, you're very invested in that. It takes a lot. So to, I, I imagine that you did when you did it at the Odyssey and then had to do it the next day. It was, I, I think I would think that afterwards you probably were exhausted. I maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Because of the emotional uh, investment in that, besides the obvious, obvious physical investment in that. So um, I have these three questions I call the dance printer in quick steps. So each one of you can answer this because I know that, well, maybe they'll be the same. I don't know. We'll see. But um, there are three quick questions and uh, it'll be interesting what your answers are. Are you two ready? Yes. Okay. So what is the dance style you haven't tried but would like to and why? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably this uh, Gaga dance that I know is super, you know. Yes. Uh, I I think I feel very close to that philosophy. Yeah, I would like to investigate a little bit more deep in that. Yes, I just recently learned about that technique, and I I heard there's a class up in West Hollywood, so I'm going to check that out as well. Yeah. Mm. Uh, uh, gosh, what a what a question! Uh, dance. I am very interested in just the energy of kind of bulky, strong men on stage, and. I saw a piece in September. Uh, I think the director's the choreographer's name was. Christian Rizzi, I believe, from France. And I saw it at Red Cat. And it was eight men ah, mm-hmm. and two drum sets on stage. And it was beautiful. So I would like to be in a piece with eight men. How about that? Okay. <laughs> well, you, I know you can make that happen for sure, even within your own company, I'm sure. So yes. that'll be cool. So favorite dancer or choreographer and why? Pina Bausch, no question. She just make the revolution in everything that we know and we have done and we are doing still now is because her. Yeah, I, I am also just as inspired, kind of like a trifecta of dance for me. It's Pina Bausch brought a lot of the sensitivity of humanity to the, the rigorous form of dance that she had. And the company DV8, I think, is sort of the pinnacle of integrating text with rigorous movement. So Deviate, directed by Lloyd Newsom. And then I also really like the the dance company Ultima Vase. I like the work that they do. I have to admit, I don't know any of these people, which means I need to look them up and my dance knowledge needs to expand. So (laughs) it's a constant thing, you know. But I love finding these ones that I never heard of that I'm not familiar with, especially if they're international, because I do love world dance. I love um, just the different cultures and the different um, influences. So I'm looking forward to checking these out. And I will link these all in the show notes as well, as well as the information on the two of you. So the last question is dance style that currently describes your day and why? Oh, dance. The form, the style that I think I connect with the most 
is from this company, Ultima Vase, um, that they coined the term of their dance style as uh, Eurocrash or crash dancing, which, you know, is just a term that covers a lot of what they they do in a much more multifaceted way. But it's it's not always a crash like a confrontation. It's just a meeting and um, all the different possible ways that you can absorb, you can support, you can reject, you can crash in a more violent way, but violent in, in control and and also the edge of control. And I think that that's what um, a daily existence is uh, for me, those meetings between you and your your confrontations that you crash into. <laughs> and it's just a lot of like it's a lot of collisions and soft, strong, fluid, or you know, uh, sometimes violent, but in a controlled way, sort of collisions. And um, I sometimes, I somehow see my day like responding to a lot of those those meetings. And I don't think collision is a bad thing. I don't see it as a pejorative. I just see it as a meeting, um, but a meeting and a bouncing off, or an absorbing and a connecting, or uh, supporting or whatever that is, uh, I thrive on those kind of meetings and collisions. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. That's great, Anthony. You're the first one that that mentioned that style and that description. So cool. <laughs> I will say I'm thinking. I'm thinking right now about Saron Friedman, who is a choreographer from Israel, but he's based in Spain and he's doing an amazing, amazing work of trusting and flying beautifully with dancers that I don't think I ever seen before. Yeah. Saturn Friedman. Oh, so would you say that your day, like you feel like his choreography represents your day right now? Like what do you mean exactly with that? Like how are you feeling right now, Hema? Like if you were to think of a dance style that describes how you're feeling right now, what dance style would that be? Yeah, I think that guy, what he's is pretty... Yeah, his like his 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 technicality is precious, accurate, but he's very deep in their topics and the way that he performs is super honest. Yeah. Oh, I like that. I I am so looking forward to checking out all these new things I've learned from the two of you. (laughs) I'm so excited. And if you guys want to check out more information, which I encourage that you do, because I love their website too, their descriptions on all the things that they do. That is part of the reason why I wanted to interview them even before seeing the last one. And you can find them at galianaandnikolchev.com. And I'll link all of their information in the show notes. Hema and Anthony, thank you so much for being on the podcast and sharing your thoughts and your insight. Again, thank you so much for what you put into the last one and into your work. I felt so blessed to witness all of that that evening, and I'm so thankful. Thank you so much. Well, thank thank you, Annette, so yeah. much. Um, you know, your response is really exactly where we were trying to go somehow with this piece by living through those experiences and sharing that with the public. So it means a lot. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much for inviting us to this interview, for coming and for sharing your thoughts. We love that. Thank you. Engaging to watch and fantastic to have this conversation with Anthony and Hema. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. 
If you want to find out more about them, you can go to the show notes at AnnetteBone.com forward slash 106. I have all their links. And if you found this podcast helpful, or if you've listened to any of the other sessions and found them helpful, I would love it and appreciate it if you could go to iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or Google Play and rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. And that way I can continue improving it, as well as give you a shout out on a future session of the Dancepreneuring Studio. Until next time, I pray that you have an exceptional week and more blessings than you can imagine. I look forward to spending time with you again. Thank you for listening. This has been a session of the Dancepreneuring Studio. Find the archives of this show at annettebone.com slash podcast or on iTunes. Contact Annette at annettebone.com. This podcast copyright by annettebone.com and dancepreneuring.com. All rights reserved. The Dancepreneuring Studio is the place where dance inspires life and business.